0: I went to the doctor and he told me that I might be perimenopausal. So, that's not menopause, it's peri, meaning not quite, like periodontist. Not quite a dentist. (laughs) Not quite a dentist. Not quite a dentist. Periodontist.
1: Heck of an introduction, isn't it? So that's how people feel about periodontists. Um, As kind of mentioned is, wow, it's kind of light over here. As kind of mentioned before, I'm a periodontist, I'm not an orthodontist. Um, When we talk about the idea that I've done cases since 2006, I work with general dentists, I work with orthodontists. Okay, I personally do not do cases on my own. All right, just wanna make sure that's clear with you guys. I work with a lot of the Invisalign um, doctors, I work with a lot of the the, uh, uh, orthodontists and general dentists. Um, So I've seen a number number of different cases. So how did I get involved with this? In 2006, my dental hygienist came up and goes, hey, why did not we take the staff out and do an Invisalign course? Of course, I go, all right, that sounds good. So we signed up, and we went ahead and did the course. So why would a periodontist want to take an ortho course? CE units. We all needed CE units, and so I figured, what the heck? With the great great of doing it? That day, while I did not intend to go ahead and learn about Invisalign, I didn't intend to do ortho, probably changed my whole practice. Okay, I learned so much about ortho, it opened my eyes up. I started to do more research of literature, I started to do more research of um, <coughs> the orthodontists, of techniques, things of that sort. One of the biggest advantages that I found in the past is working with ortho is they would end up saying, orthodontists refer a patient in. Can we go ahead and do ortho on this periodontal patient? First question I have is, where are you gonna position the teeth? The orthodontist says, we're gonna move it around. I said, okay. I said, how fast are you gonna move it? want well, going to use a .014 wire with a such-and-such such attachment. It's like, okay, that doesn't mean anything to me. I have a paradox. So I, my comment was, I don't know how quick you're going to move it. I don't know where you're going to move it. I can't really give you a comment. Then all of a sudden, we, I took this course. Our local rep, who now is our regional manager, came in and sat down with me in front of a ClinCheck. I was just amazed at what the clinchecks could do. <clears throat> Finally, I had an opportunity to look at cases and do a far better evaluation. Okay? I can look at a case and if somebody says, is this case okay to do ortho? Are we gonna have a problem with this? I can see exactly where they're gonna be moving that tooth, how they're gonna move it, and, and just kind of get a better evaluation. I could give my opinion and a better opinion. And that's what I do most of. Most of what I do is work with the orthodontist, work with the general dentist, they have their cases sent in, I look at the clin checks, sit down with them, and we discuss what's gonna happen with the cases. Okay? <coughs> When most of the times we take a look at our patients, we look at this. We, we go ahead and critique it. How do the teeth look? How beautiful are they? Is there like a little size of discrepancy? How are you going to go ahead and treat this? Okay. This is how most of us will look at our patients. Then we talk about my world. Okay. So when you guys look at a case like this, you happen to see crowding. You see overlapped teeth. You see, see a malocclusion. You say, okay, what can we do to make this teeth too smile? Better. What can we do to go ahead and, and make this person have a, have a better smile? Similar to what we saw in the previous picture. <clears throat> what do I see? I see roots. I see root positions. I see bone. I see how thick are the bones? How thick are the tissues? Now, I have a very slick practice, okay? I only treat patients who have clear, clear bone. <laughs> right? This is my one patient and I've retired from this patient. This is the only person I've ever seen. Unfortunately, most of us know we don't have that capability. We can't dissolve the tissue to look at a clear bone, right? But this is what's important to me. So what do I utilize to go ahead and get this information? Well, first of all, we have to utilize, uh, utilize visualizations. We look at a crown. If it's tilted, we know that the root's going up a certain direction. If it's lean certain, like lingually or, or facially, we know where the root is. So by knowing where the root is, we can kind of get a better idea period of how that tooth is going to, is going to move. Where do we want, want that, not on the tooth, but where do we want the roots, okay? I wish all my patients did have a have bone like that. So how do I get this information also? Records, okay? Whatever records I need to get in order to best evaluate my patient, that's what's important. Photographs are invaluable. I look at photographs all the time. I take them myself. Every patient almost gets all, gets photographs. Radiographs, panorex, full-mouth set of x-rays, CBCT scans, CEPH films, whatever I need to go ahead and get that information, that's what's important. Not every case needs a CBCT, not every case needs to have a CEPH film, but certain ones do, and I will ask for it, I'll request it, I'll do the evaluation for it, okay? One of the big things that, that we, we really push is the idea of research-driven practices, okay? And I'm not discounting the fact that research is extremely important. Sound research and solid clinical experience is very, very, very important to decide how we're going to treat our patients. The thing about research, okay, how many people here, they get a research article, and what do you do? First thing you do is read the abstract. Second thing you re- do is read the Conclusion. Third thing you do is put the journal off to the side and say you finished it. Guess what? I'm just as guilty as that. But what, what we found is if I find an article, I go, ooh, this is really good. I then go through the details. Because what you're going to find is when you come across an article, that may tell you something like orthodontic therapy causes periodontal problems. And then there's an ADA journal that came out not that long ago that actually stated that. But when you read the details of it, that's not at all what the research showed us. So you need to really crit- critically evaluate research. In addition, ca- many times we have questions. Well, how come they don't do, do this research um, project? How come they don't do this research protocol? Why don't they evaluate the following? The reason why is because you cannot intentionally put a patient into risk by doing a research protocol. So there's many things out there that we have questions. I'm dripping my water everywhere. There's many things that, times we have questions about our patients or about, about how to do re- a research protocol that we want to know the answers to that they can't do research on. So then what do we rely on, clinical um, experience. Not only yours, many of us in here have done like cases, upon cases, upon cases. We learn from our experience, but why are we attending these courses? We tend to learn from other people's experience, okay. Key is you not only learn from people's successes, you learn from people's failures. And that's actually even more important than anything else. We all have had failures. Re- you look at your failures, failure. what happened, why did it go bad? Talk to the lecturers, see what didn't go right, what do they do to go ahead and learn the process? So the reason why we do these courses, again, to learn from other people's mistakes. I encourage you guys, okay, I go to courses all the time on, <clears throat> on the Invis line. I do the forums, I do the study clubs, stuff like that. Why do I do it? To keep up on the materials. I can't tell you how many times just five years ago, that we're taught or I've learned something and now that's quote contradicted and there's a whole other idea and technique behind it keep up with it all right you guys ready to go back to school okay if there's anybody nodding in here I'm gonna go ahead and I'm I have my water I'm gonna just dump it on you wake you guys up or myself all right so we look at the ideal here's my ideal patient again that clear patient okay my one patient Teeth like to erupt in the center of the alveolar bone. They love it. That's where they want to be. That's their comfort zone. They don't want to be hanging out to the side. They don't want to be hanging inside. They don't want to be tilted backwards and forwards. When they erupt, they want to end up being in the, in the ideal position, right? Now, what creates the ideal position? Ideal position when you have your, basically, your tooth width and your arch length identically the same, all right? Now, what happens if you have a situation where the tooth length, okay, the width of the teeth is larger than the arch width. Typical scenario would end up being um, people with nice big giant teeth and small jaws. And if you tend to find out, the majority of the people, that's where, that's where the situation is. So what happens? The teeth have to accommodate being big and to come into a small area. So you put a bunch of people into a room and you line them up, they're going to kind of turn sideways, lean over to the side, so everybody go ahead and fit. Just like all the people in this room today. See how well, we all have to like, lean to the side and everything? Where's everybody? Okay, so anyway, the teeth rotate. They shift, they move. Why do we have malocclusions? Why do we have rotated teeth? Because these teeth are trying to get inside the center of the alveolar bone. In an ideal situation, again, the teeth are lined up. You have a point contact around the occlusal area, or excuse me, the occlusal, third of the tooth. Whoops. Did I turn that off? Uh-oh. Help! Oh there it is, Never mind. Okay, I was trying to find the pointer but I, I don't know where it is. Okay, so, oh here, there's my pointer. The most expensive pointer around. Look at that nice embrasure area. You have nice big opening where the tissues are gonna be. Tissues love space, they're gonna be happy. Nice big areas to go ahead and, and for the tissues. You have nice interproximal bone in here. You have great areas where you can go ahead and clean. You have minimal contact for minimal plaque, plaque retention, right? So, the teeth go ahead and have to rotate what is the first thing you end up seeing? Number one, look at the interproximal bone. Look how thin it is, okay? There's hardly any bone in there. Look at the contact points. They're at the occlusal third of the tooth. Look at the, look how wide the contact points. They're wide, more plaque retentive areas. And look at that poor embrasure where those tissues have to sit in. Those tissues are suffocating. They're not happy, they want more room. They're, it's not a good, good um, situation, okay? So we know that rotated teeth is a bad thing. All right, now, in adi- now, regarding rotating teeth, we talked about the idea when teeth are rubbed, they come in rotated, okay? They come into malocclusion. Last week, I had three patients that came walking in, adult patients, whose chief complaint was, my teeth have moved and shifted, and now I have crowding, right? That was their chief complaint. So we know the fact that over time, many of us do end up getting shifting of the teeth, all right? We end up getting migration of the teeth. And that's something important to keep in mind because a patient who is, quote, static, who hasn't had any changes, many times will have changes. These are the patients we need to look at as an adult for, again, an orthodontic evaluation. So what causes changes in the patient's occlusion? Okay. Restorative treatment. Anything as simple as a class class 1 amalgam, class 1 composite. can go ahead and amalgam. I shouldn't use that term anymore, should I? Okay. Um, anything that can throw the bite off slightly is going to go ahead and potentially change the occlusion. So as the occlusion changes, the teeth will will tend to shift, right? And how, okay, um, periodontal disease. We know the fact that periodontal disease, teeth oftentimes will go ahead and move due to periodontal disease, right? So what happens, bruxing clenching, stress. Okay, does anybody in this room have stress in their life? Liars. Okay, so we know that Change in inclusion can cause migration of the teeth, right? How do the teeth migrate? The key to go ahead and evaluating your patients is the tooth migration. Teeth tend to end up migrating by, well-known, the fact, if you retract a tooth, where's that tooth going to go? It's going to move mesial. It's going to kind of tilt over and move mesial. So the natural tendency of the teeth is to move forward, to migrate forward, all right? And we have showing you a few cases of how that ends up being affected. Periodontal disease, all right, am I going too fast? Okay, periodontal disease. I don't wanna dwell on periodontal disease, that's what this lecture is all about. But part of understanding of periodontal disease is gonna come down towards, again, treating our, patient, our periodontal patients um, orthodontically, okay. We know the fact that periodontal disease in simple terms is a combination of um, bacterial virulence and the host response. We know the fact there's certain bacteria that ends up high, being a high risk of going ahead and being potential pathogenic. We know the fact that if a, if a patient has a certain um, genetic genome of um, it's actually the interleukin 1A, 1B, and actually now they call it the IL6. IL6 is that if they have those genes, they have a higher likelihood of developing disease because these are inflammatory genes. Doesn't mean that they will. It means they have a higher likelihood of developing it. So if we want to go ahead and predict our patients. And why do we want to predict? Usually it's because patients have already had periodontal disease and the people are not responding to the therapy. If we want to understand why, we can go ahead and do testing. We can check the bacteria. We can go ahead and check the gene. Does that mean it's going to affect how we treat people? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it'll also kind of give us a heads up, like, is this a good patient if they happen to have high titers of, the, of these bacteria, if they happen to have the gene? Are these good patients to go ahead and do orthodontic therapy or are they high-risk patients? Okay, We know the fact that the pathogenesis of periodontal disease is very complicated. I'm not going to go into this. This is boring to me. I don't even understand it. I don't know. These rankle things and these these cytokines and stuff like that, it it doesn't make any difference. Bottom line is if they have have inflammation, if they have uh, separation, if they have problems, that's how we go ahead and and evaluate people. So we need to get control over these patients. Okay? So when we talk about prevention of periodontal disease, this is a step you guys already know. Right? So what do we need to do? We need to go after the plaque and bacteria. We need to go ahead and remove the plaque and bacteria. We need we need to do it. We need to have the patients do it. We need to evaluate if we need some sort of a systemic type of an alteration of the bacteria. We need to look at the idea of if um, <coughs> we have to obviously we have the, the situation of biofilm. We have to look at the immune response and a number of other different things. But the bottom line is probably the most important of everything. You guys ready? Elimination, reduction of contributing factors. My personal feeling is that all of us have the potential of periodontal disease, but it really is it really is a contributing factor that's really going to make it the decision of whether or not that you or I will develop the problem, all right? So, we know the fact that medications, we know the fact that um, um, certain um, systemic problems, diabetes, things of that sort. I'm not going to go through the list, but guess what's also on that list? Malocclusion, all right? If a tooth is in an improper position, it's going to create into a hyperocclusion. It's going to go ahead and be more plaque retentive. It's not going to go ahead and allow a a vertical um, loading on the tooth. It's going to create more of a horizontal loading. And these are all bad factors for the periodontal health of the tooth. So treatment of periodontal disease needs to address the malocclusion. Okay. So we look at this case. What do you guys see in this case? Well, first, the first question, of course, comes down to, is this an active case or not an active case? I don't even want to address that issue um, because, in fact, we're going to assume that it's probably, um, well, again, we talk about the activity is, do, what's the plaque look like? What's the, um, um, what's the host response look like? But when you look at that, you say, okay, well, the tissues look pretty good. They have definitely had a history of periodontal disease, okay, they've had horizontal bone loss, they've had um, um, the gingival recession. We've had um, you know kind of probably some movement on the teeth. So when you look at this, you go, how do we treat this case? So what I could go through as a periodontist and do the basic stuff. I can go ahead and do a scaling and a root plane, we can do surgical therapy, we can do antibiotic therapy, we can do a whole bunch of other things. So have I basically now I've done all those things and I'm happy, have my treatment ended? Okay. Someone said no, very good. Okay. So, it has not ended. We look at the radiographs, look at that bone loss. Would anybody want to venture into this for an orthodontic case? That much bone loss, that history of periodontal disease, all these sorts of problems? Would you want to say, okay, we'll do it? Well, the problem comes down towards is, does that mean that if we don't venture in the idea of of the occlusion, get into a better better occlusion, um, that we haven't eliminated one of the contributing factors, right? So, therefore, is there progression of periodontal disease going to go ahead and continue? All right? So, one of the treatments that we have, if you look at this, uh, the movement. So, one of the treatment modalities that we have is what we call um, intrusion. There's one the orthodontist I work with a lot. And we first started to do a lot of um, ortho-perio cases. Um, he would always end up saying, like, particularly in the lower tiers, can we go ahead and do the tooth movement? Are we going to get recession? Okay, and there's many times I would am saying, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but if we get it, I'll fix it. Okay, so so we kind of entered into these cases kind of along the lines of let's give it a try. To our surprise, that so many of these lower anterior hyper um, the um, the plane is, is a little bit more coronal position, that so many of these cases didn't develop recession. So we start going, why? Why is it that cases we thought for sure were going to develop problems haven't? Intrusion. As you bury the teeth down further, you bury them into thicker bone, thicker tissues, thicker biotype. So it allows us, as we go ahead and do a proclination of the teeth, where it's safer for us. We have that security blanket. Knowing these teeth are no longer dangling out in the air, they now have a good base. So probably of all the therapies that we can have is intrusion. So now look at this case. Looks pretty nice, doesn't it? Remember all that recession on the teeth and everything else like that? By moving of the teeth, by closing the, the diastomus, by intruding the teeth, we could put this patient in a far better case and far better situation. Like a resorption? Yeah. Okay. That's the other thing about Invisalign that actually I got to emphasize. I see very, very little resorption associated with Invisalign. And probably because of the fact that because of the slow, mo- the slow movement with, mo- with other adult um, um, type of orthodontics, we tend to see it more common, more, red- more readily. I rarely see resorption with, uh, with Invisalign movement. I think, again, it's due to the controlled movement. Okay? So we look at this case and go, wow, that's much better. And so part of the idea of treating the periodontal disease, we put her into a far better occlusion. So the ultimate treatment of this patient is, is, well, I should guess a long-term is far better. So you look at the radiographs. Again, this is an eight-year follow-up. You know, not too bad. We would have expected, gosh, did this person lose more bone support? They not only lost more bone, or not only didn't lose more bone support, the bone actually looks better, okay? Okay, 2013. Look at the interproximal bone up on the upper right bicuspid. It's now nice and corticated. It's healthy. Thank you. They put up these signs let me know how much time I need to end up going because I tend to end up talking forever and stuff. stuff. Um, so so look at the bone. It looks so much better than what it did before. Okay? We also know the fact that with our patients, as we tend to go ahead and lose the occlusal plane, as we tend to clench and grind, things of that sort, our facial contours end up changing. Okay? Here's your take-home pearls. So here's my gift to you guys. For basic information about period, it may seem very simple, but it's very important. First of all, a periodontally stable patient, patient without bleeding, a patient who's had a history of essentially of having um, uh, no progression, pocketing, things of that sort, should behave orthodontically very similar to a normal adult patient, somebody who has not had a history of periodontal disease. Many of us think, oh gosh, they've had periodontal disease, we can't treat these people. Okay? You can, and you should, and you will. The, they're okay to go ahead and treat. Keep in mind, though, well, actually, we'll talk about in a second, but keep in mind the fact that, that these are people, though, that have already had a history and they could change at any point in time. So the most important thing for these patients is to make sure that you monitor them regularly. You just can't throw the liners in and then every day you're like, yeah, they fit, yeah, they fit, yeah, they fit. You've got to make sure you do a thorough periodontal evaluation with every single appointment because they can change on you, which we'll talk about in a second. I have a, a thing in here, a patient who's not periodontally... Um, stable, that these are patients that you should be aware of or maybe not even think about uh, movement. Honest truth is that there are number, there's a certain population out there that they do have active periodontal disease. They do have progression of bone loss and you're not gonna change it. You're doing everything you can to get to show and you can, can't change that. As you move the teeth around, you're gonna increase that inflammatory response and there's a chance you can actually increase the, the amount of bone loss. We'll talk about that again in a second, okay? So what do you need to do to treat your patients? Key word, simple. Get rid of the inflammation. Make sure that the roots are prepared. Make sure the bone is prepared. Make sure the soft tissue is prepared. Okay? So, to all the hygienists in here, thank you. I love you guys. You're probably the best asset to, period- to periodontal therapy around. Calculus will kill you. All right? I'm telling you right now, the fact, if you don't go ahead and dress the subgingival floor the calculus, what's happening on the tissue, that if you start moving those teeth and you develop an inflammatory response, you're going to get in trouble. So every case should have definitive subgingival scaling, root planing before you get started. I don't care if it's a parapatient or not or whatever. Make sure that that tissue is absolutely healthy, okay? Um, root planing, fabulous. I think root planing is the greatest thing. I, I'm a firm believer in root planing. More so than surgery, I think group cleaning is probably the, the key thing in periodont therapy. Potential use for antibiotics, um, systemic or localized. And again, if you can't get control of the inflammation, it may not be a case to go ahead and have training. treating. Okay. okay, look at this case. I had to throw on a gross slide. You know, that's like one of those things that people tend to drool over. I don't know about you guys, but the only two things make me drool, pus and surgery. Okay. I love both. I mean, I think that's the coolest, greatest thing in the whole world. So, what am I trying to point out here? Look how nice these tissues look. But look at the mesial of that bicuspid. There's a chunk of calculus hiding in there. If we were in there checking and probing and scaling, we wouldn't know it was in there. It's kind of like, oh yeah, that feels like tooth. That smells like tooth. That tastes like tooth. It isn't. There's a piece of calculus. We have to go in there and do it. I'm telling you right now, I have actually physically flapped 4 millimeter pockets because I knew I couldn't remove that calculus with scaling and replanings. So, how do I remove the scaling, or how do I remove the calculus? I couldn't get, anyway, I said it backwards. I had to flap the air to remove the calculus, so you know I it can get a scaling root planning. So, I need to make sure that I have very good detection ability to know if there's, cal- if there's calculus or not, and what's the best form of therapy to go ahead and do. If I scale it, it does not respond? Flap it. Okay? Alright, again, as a summary, frequent recalls, exams, selective radiographs. I firmly believe in radiographs. If you have an area that is kind of, I'm not sure if this looks good or not, uh, go ahead and take a film of it, okay? Keep on board. Keep on top of things. A periodontal probing with every recall patient, every adult pair of patients is very important at every maintenance visit, okay? And if you see a change, increase in bleeding, increase in pocketing, doesn't mean you have to stop your ortho treatments. You need to go ahead and say, uh-oh, red flag. Let's see what we do to get control of this so we can continue on. If you can't get control, you may need to put a hold on any more tooth movement until you can get a control and then proceed from there. Okay? and of course, remind your patients to be to wear their um, their appliances. Um, okay, so probably this slide is probably the most important slide of everything of, of all of them. Okay, this slide basically ends up in being if I have to get a point across, this is what it is. When do we evaluate our patients for orthodontic therapy? When do I evaluate my patients for orthodontic therapy? They, they walk in and they have gum disease, they have pus, I'm drooling, and they happen to have all these sorts of other problems. When do I evaluate them? Okay. I you evaluate them, like, which patients? Every patient, because of the fact that a tooth position is a contributing factor for my patients, okay? Even more importantly, dental implants. If I have an implant case, if somebody comes in for implants, even a single tooth, you know, bicuspid molar, no big deal, all right? A simple one, you know, they walk in my office and say, oh, what are you doing for the next five minutes? Great, let's send me up and drop that implant in there. Easy slam dunk sort of thing. I've got to look at the tooth position because when I put that implant in there, it's permanent. So that patient later on says, oh, by the way, I think I'm going to go ahead and get ortho. I'm like, oh, dang it. I put that implant in a position. It's not going to help the orthodontist. Okay? So whenever there's an implant involved, a fixed um, appliance, you need to make sure that you do an orthodontic evaluation and inform your patients. Number two, um, extensive restorative treatment. Now I put this slide up there. I'm going to change it next time. I'm going to remove extensive. Any restorative treatment or therapy, you should do, an, or should do essentially an orthodontic evaluation. Okay? Um, Interclusive discrepancies. Here's the one. Severe periodontal um, problems or extractions are being considered. Why would I want to move? Why would I put somebody through orthodontic therapy if I'm taking the teeth out anyway? Because if you think about it, the average person that has periodontal problems has crooked teeth, Teeth in bad positions, bone loss, a whole bit. They remove it. So what are we going to end up doing when they remove the tooth? You replace the tooth. So you've got a small little inter- interdental or, uh, space between the two teeth. You know, you're put a teeny little re- um, a replacement tooth. We need to look at the end results of our patients. So what we need to end up doing is take these patients who have severe periodontal disease, put them in the right position, okay, so that we can go ahead and better treat them. I'm telling you right now, I have a number of cases that patients walk in and I tell them, I am, we're gonna put you through ortho. During the orthotherapy, we may lose a few teeth while we're moving the teeth around because you have periodontal disease. When we're finally done and over with, we're gonna finally know which teeth survived and which didn't. Why are we doing that? We're doing that to prepare you for the future so that you can have a far better dentition to accept the final restorations, implants, removable, fixed, whatever. We're gonna put that patient, we're looking into the future for for these patients not the immediate, and they may lose some bone support. Okay? So, again, the ideal is having, having an interdental area, excuse me, uh, have it replace the patient in an ideal position. So if you're thinking about anterior tooth replacement, put them in the ideal. So, we take a look at this. We talk about the idea of prediction. Prediction is very important. We have to look at all of our patients and say, where are they now and where are they going to be tomorrow? So when we look at this poor patient here, we say, wow, this guy's in pretty bad shape. Okay. But where are they going to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now? Okay. We know the fact this patient has recession. Look at the recession back down in this area. Okay. I could slap a graft in there, but is it going to take? Look at the prominence of this root. I could put a graft down here. I'd be happy to. I make lots of money doing that. Okay. But is my graft going to be, be a success or failure? Unfortunately, it will probably end up failing on me. Or if it is a success, it's not the success that I want to have. In addition, look at the lateral incisor. Think of the migration of the tooth. As, that, as that, that arch goes ahead and moves immediately, that lateral side is going to be shoved forward, you have an interdental space, you extract that tooth, and how are you going to go ahead and replace it? A little tiny tiny little implant, okay? We don't want that, the patient doesn't want that either. So when we look at these, we say, will it or won't it change? I don't know if this guy's going to go downhill or not, okay? Again, we look, look at the dentition. Okay, I'm going to go through recession real quickly. I'm kind of running out of time. Recession is a whole nother issue. Ninety percent of the people are referred to my office because of the fact of being being evaluated for recession. Okay, so when we look at the idea of recession, we have to identify what's causing recession. Is it due to periodontitis? Is it due to a thin biotype? Is it due to malocclusion abnormal normal function? Um, tension due to the freedom? These are all the things we have to evaluate and address when dealing with recession. Okay, um, how many people here, a patient walks in, and they go, yeah, I started to get recession here. How come? What's the first question you're going to ask? Did you have orthotherapy in the past? We all do it. You guys stop saying that. Stop it right now. Okay? Even though that, you know, we say, well, it's got to be the ortho that caused recession. ortho didn't cause recession. Mom and dad created it. They give them big teeth, small jaws, and it's not the orthodontist's fault. Your fault, or whatever. We're putting the teeth in an ideal position. Okay? So don't blame the orthodontist for the recession. Just say, you're born with big teeth and small jaws. Okay? We can look at the idea of therapies. Well, here's a nice therapy we put right here, just use a little bit of restorative therapy, put a little bit of tooth-colored composite, a little gender mole or something on there. Well, that looks much better. Well, that's a nightmare, isn't it? Okay, we, ha- we can look into other types of alternative therapies to deal with recession. We can look into, you know, improving the, per- getting rid of the periodontal disease. We can look at the idea of improving oral hygiene, remove the freedom. Hey, soft tissue grafting. I love grafting, let me tell you. wicking back in that bone out and getting the bleeding. Oh, it's so wonderful, okay? But also part of it, which we don't talk enough about, is orthodontic therapy. Put that root in a better position, and there are times we can actually get that recession to improve, okay? Again, you look at this poor gentleman here. It doesn't look too bad. You know, it's like, okay, that's not bad. We talk about the idea of migration. I'm sorry, but that definitely shows me that migration occurs. Look at that. Look how they have the lower cuspid, to me, the lower left dentition has rotated forward. So what's going to end up happening? Okay. We're going to end up getting all these teeth that get shoved out of the way. If that continues, now, of course, this guy had, you know, it had a history of pre graft. Do you know how painful these things are? These things are really, really bad. Anyway, have done. Had a history of periodo- periodo- or pre sorry, graft. They should have had an orthodontic evaluation. Okay. <clears throat> Again, we look at these patients. We look at the idea of what's going to happen with them. Where are they right now? What's going to happen with them? What's going to end up occurring with the lateral incisor over here? We look at the idea of recession. What, what, in the future, what's going to happen? How are we going to treat this person? I'm going to slap a graft on them. I'm going to clean them up, send them home. We know darn well. 5, 10, 15 years, they're going to have bigger problems, right? We also need to inform our patients if, of the situation. And if they don't follow through a therapy, right, what could happen? We don't tend to do that. We tend to say, oh, you have crooked teeth. You have this problem. We don't tell them as things progress, the falling could end up occurring. Okay, so, is this a good case to go ahead and treat? Would you jump into it, have fun, and have a great, great time with us? Okay, so, you know, these are difficult cases. So, can we treat these cases? Can we go ahead and utilize Invisalign for these cases, right? Well, fortunately today, fortunately today, I have a very good friend of mine, Dr. Atai, who is here, who actually, he believes in jumping out of the box. His happy zone is outside the box. I don't think he's ever, like, hung out in the box ever. He loves to be outside the box. He has great information to help you guys and to to inform you guys on these types of cases, why we treat them, how we treat them. So you guys, Dr. Tai is here to go ahead and give you more information.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. John. Wow. Wow. A periodontist giving an Invisalign lecture. Now, there's always been a first at every summit, and this first time, i got to tell you, understanding the perio... Neglect versus Invisalign should all be one because one of the things you're going to see and we talked about This young lady earlier. This was actually my third case in and those who've heard Carol's story This is what I won the summit in back in 07 and what happened was she was actually Diagnosed to pull out all six upper and lower teeth She was diagnosed to pull out those posters you saw on the x-ray that had over 50% bone loss now Was I brave? Was I stupid? What the heck are you thinking? Well, the reality was, I believe putting teeth in better position gives a better outcome to the patient's overall health. And if I can believe that, I have to allow my team members to do what they do. Now, there's a lot of lectures about treatment coordination, financials. What I'd like to do is give you a glimpse of what happens in my office with every patient. Not just the Carol story. And by the way, this Carol story went all the way international to Europe and I was there presenting at the UK forum in front of 220 orthodontists. By the way, I got a standing ovation. Some of our colleagues are here from Europe. They shook my hand and said, we cannot believe that you treated this patient. Eight years, now it's going on. Her 10th year, she still has her own teeth. Simply just Invisalign. What I learned was that intrusion, Dr. John talked about reading the conclusion. Let me tell you what all these treatments of orthodontic movements give you. Intrusion can lead to an improved attachment level that forces have to allow low and continuous. With slow movements, with a consistent force, which aligners have, you can actually get better and regeneration of bone. And that's exactly what happened. We didn't create bone. We didn't raise bone. We just made the bone she had dense. She has 50% bone loss, and her teeth are still in her head with solid bone. No pocketing. Now, looking at these cases that you saw Dr. John present, those are actually all the cases I've done in my office. I'm going to go one after another, just try to give you a little bit of tip of identifying, educating, suggesting, and communicating this with our patients every day. How many hygienists in the room? You hygienists and my hygienist who's also in the room have the key role here because you are going to have that lovely instrument called a periodontal probe, right? Do you ever check occlusion with your periodontal probe? Occlusion? How do we check occlusion with a periodontal probe? Well, I'll show you how. Do you ever check vertical pocketing? Every day, right? So what's a problem on a pocketing? What millimeter do you identify as this patient not being in normal? How many millimeters not normal? Four or more, right? Everybody knows that. How much is the crowding or spacing that the patient is not normal? So these are some of the things that you have to educate. And if I've done my job right today, I've given you a little tip of how we are able to treat all these patients. But before I do, let's listen to this young man. For at least how long? Ten months. Ten months now. We're kind of getting towards the end, but you just said something fun that I didn't ever ask, but now you told me. Oh,
2: all right, yeah. Well, it was about 10 years ago, but I had to go and have some uh, gum restoration. So I was with a periodontist, and the process probably took about two years for the different sections, you know, one section each time. Okay. And the last section that I was having done, he had wires on his teeth. And uh, so he starts giving me this, like, hey, you need to get your teeth straight. You wouldn't have all those gum problems and stuff like that. And he was really, you know, pushing it. But I kept looking at his grill. You know. <laughs> and I just didn't want to go there. My kids all had braces when they were growing up, but I was already an adult. And, you know, they went through the pain. They went through all the food, getting stuck in them and stuff like that. I always wanted straight teeth, but I didn't want to go through that. Not as an adult. It was too vain. So I was putting it off, putting it off until my wife... Uh, who works in the medical office? So she drags me in here because she knew I wanted my teeth straightened. Well, here we are 10 months later. Look, they're great. And they're comfortable. And there's no food problem because you just take your teeth out and eat. Well, thank you.
0: So, thank yeah. you. I uh, just wanted to put that on record. I thought it was a great uh, little tip. Yeah, I'll tell you though, I think more people, 40 plus, if they
2: knew about Invisalign, because the marketing's not, I didn't know it. My wife dragged me in here. I'm saying, no, no, no. I've seen those clear things. I thought that they were clear wires. But if people knew that it's as simple as this.
0: So as much as Invisalign does the marketing, here's a patient that got dragged by his wife. And this patient was one of the ones you saw earlier from Dr. John. This is a patient that had his lateral incisor extracted because he had over 50% bone loss when he was younger the surgery he was talking out two sets of them not only did he have periodontal surgery but as well as gum grafting that you saw earlier that Dr John alluded to they all failed and the periodontist himself when he went back for his final surgery had wire and brackets and told him how come you're not getting your teeth straightened this is over 40 years ago as you mentioned as he mentioned So, my point to you is there is a definite correlation of what you see on these fourth and fifth decades of life in patients and what you see in their occlusion. They gave him a posterior open bite. How did that happen? Well, look at where his bite is. He's hitting anterior. And by the way, the doctor did a great job in closing up that lateral that he extracted, right? Just, you're all set. This is the type of patients we see. I'd like to be a little forensic dentistry at first. When they come in, I like to see what is it and how is it that it got there. Then I educate the patients about treatment plan. I first have to figure out why is it that this particular patient has not only a missing lateral, but the gums that are just sloughing away, literally. And by the way, he was not cold or hot sensitive. You know, because my trick is always taking the air and and, and, ow! Well, see, there's a problem. You have ab fraction. No, I'm brushing too hard. No, and I go through the whole spiel of what the difference is. Well, the reality is, this patient had no sensitivity. He has a posterior open bite. And that canine just barely hits. Can we treat this? Well, I tell you, I will show you treatment after treatment that these cases with the ClinCheck, and by the way, There's his x-ray, his pre-op. And I don't know if you can see these roots. A lot of crowding. But in his clincheck, attachment city, right? I have no problem. They're tiny, they're small. They're not big, bulky attachments anymore. So the patient, in his testimonial itself, said, I thought they were like wired. I thought they were clear wires. I didn't know Invisalign is like an actual tray. Really? Really? How do you not know that? I thought everybody knew that. We can't assume that every patient knows this. We have to go in, ready to treat. And by the way, this is about 10 months. His bite's landing, and now I'm working on getting his you know, space open for the lateral. We're going to go for forward with some implants. He's progressing. He's progressing, but that's what we want. That intercuspation is what we're looking for. Once the posterior lands, and I can do a whole clinical on him. My point here is, if you see these patients, if you see the worsening of teeth and bone and gums. Is there a correlation? I've been told, and again, Dr. Atai, listen, there's really no solid evidence that if they don't get their teeth straight, there's there's no real solid research that their bone will stop getting deteriorated and their gums stop. There's really, really? How come patients who've got straight teeth, they're not on maintenance, and every patient that has crowding or some sort of problem with their spacing, they're all on maintenance. So in my clinical evaluation, there is this guy. This guy's the bad guy. Not the crowding, not the spacing, that's easy, resolvable. And I will show you tricks in how you can do it. I had a patient who created his own treatment because the teeth were wiggling, so he put a rubber band on to stop it from wiggling. That was his treatment. Now that's one option. So a patient comes in, what are we going to talk about? I mean, where do we start with this guy? Pull them all out. He's his own dentist, right? Great dentistry, right? Awesome. Yeah, take your photos. Because guess what? If you don't treat these patients, they'll come up with their own treatment. How many dentists did he go through before coming up with a patented you know, rubber band technique? Really? Most importantly, this is our other option. We can do nothing about it. Just let the patient pair your maintenance, pair your maintenance, pair your maintenance, pair your maintenance, pair your maintenance and that's it. So you hygienists that are in the room are going to get a couple of tools and a couple of tips. If I can do my job right, you're going to use your periodontal probe, you're going to use your cotton roll, a prescription pad, Invisalign prescription pad, as well as a camera, the Straight Talk brochure and video. Really, i got 45 minutes to do a cleaning. I'm going to do all that, I'm going to make it seamless and easy for you. And us doctors, how many doctors in the room? We're going to learn and confirm and I will show you what doctors are going to do because for you to have this preloaded video is easy but to get the flow through is difficult so first let's go through a checklist, okay? We've got to all be on the same page that in your diagnosis hygienists you're going to go through this trans spacing, tooth mass, excessive spacing or crowding, improvement overbite overjet, tooth mass considerations, vertical changes, presence of crossbite, bite setting which is occlusion, what classification, are they class 1, class 2 or class 3, and stabilization, are they you have a stable bite? Can you do all that right away for me in two minutes? No? Why not? Give you five. I'm gonna make all this simple. If you're going to do Invisalign in your practice, you're going to look for all of these regardless. So for me, I want to know what in the world is that transpalatal? Well, from the molar, like where the tooth number three position is, to the next molar where number 14 is, there is a space, just like how your periodontal probe, three millimeter is normal, there is a space that that is not normal anymore. And there's a normal range and I'll tell you what that space is and those of you who know good on you those of you who don't you will learn now there's also an amount of size if you have a central incisor that's bigger than the lateral and that's called the Bolton law there's a rule for that now is my hygienist going to have to re-educate herself no it's simple we're gonna look for key points for the doctor to talk also There is a number, amount of crowding or spacing. How much crowding? Is this going to be a case I can do Monday morning right now? Let's get this patient going. So you can talk about the financials. If you don't get past diagnosis, you can't get past the the financials. As well as the improving of the overjet and the overbite. So I will go through all of these, including the crossbite, whether it's a lateral crossbite, whether it's a posterior crossbite. So number one, Let's go through and find out about the transpalatal spacing. Now all of you, I'm sure, have seen where you're going to try to make this U-shaped arch. The teeth are supposed to land on where the bone is, right? So our Invisalign Check is doing exactly this. It's showing layer after layer, every three months you take the photo, you'll see how the teeth are going where they're supposed to. Well. How do we know what that space is? And by eye, how can you tell? Does anybody know what the normal size of the transparadal space is? 28 to to 32? Do I have a higher or lower number? Yes. Oh, you are a genius. So, the number is 38 millimeters. You almost had it. But are you guys going to pull out a little ruler and try to... So, guess what is 38 millimeters in your office? A cotton roll. You take a cotton roll and you put it right on the roof of the mouth. If it's about 38 millimeters, then guess what? That's a simple case, not much movement. If it's just short of that, we know with Invisalign, we can upright and tip out without a blink of an eye up to two millimeters. So, think about this. Two millimeters on this side, two millimeters on this side. That's four millimeters of expansion that you can get, right? So if the cotton roll is kind of bending and you have to bend it real narrow and shove it in there, that's like 20 millimeters, good luck. That's probably not an ideal patient, even though they have the financials ready that I want to treat Monday. Maybe I want to do some other elastic, some other treatment. However, if it's just shy of that cotton roll, thumbs up. Every hygienist, how long does it take you to grab a cotton roll and put it up there? And the patient says, what are you doing? I'm checking your trans space. My trans what? Am I trans who? I'm trans what? No, listen. <laughs> now hold that thought. We're just checking to see how much space we've got because we've got treatments now that can put your teeth where they belong. That's how your gum recessions. You've opened the conversation about ab fractions now. Next, probe. We talk about the probe in the gum line. You shove it in the gum. But can you land it horizontally to check the amount of overlapping of every tooth? Absolutely. Those of you who heard me before, I'd like to check the crowding, the amount of overlapping on every patient. How do you do that? You simply land the perioprobe horizontally and you count one, two, three millimeters done. So there's about two millimeters of crowding here, one millimeter 0.5 here, 1.5. You just count. And the patient then says, what are you checking? well I'm checking the amount of teeth you have overlapping that's not normal, that's not healthy so you get plaque buildup. See, so we're trying to educate the patient to warrant the question and the question at the end will be how much is this thing that you're going to do for me to get it straight see, that's not your job hygienist nor the doctor there's a lot of courses being taught about how to get the financial quality but your job is to trigger the knowledge and educate the patients and that's what I want my hygienist to do and that's what she does every day the next thing you can look at is spacing. If they have spacing, you just take that periodontal probe and look how much space. and you record this. I'm going to show you where in just a second. What if you have a patient that comes in and has a rotation? What's a rotation? Well, okay, so when the teeth are not quite in space, have you seen the teeth kind of look rotate like the canines? How do you know how much is a rotation? Well, we all know how much 90 degree is, right? When you look at these teeth right here, how would you know how much rotation? How many degrees rotation is that? Because 30 degrees or less is very simple for us to rotate within this line. Does anybody know how much 30 degree rotation is? Hard, right? I'm going to show you. Picture in your head a nice perpendicular x and y axis, meaning you make a line on the buccal surfaces from canine to molar as your linear y axis. You also have an x-axis that goes across the lower anterior arch. You look at the amount of rotation on that tooth, and if you draw a line in the middle, because this is your 90 degree. Does everybody agree that's 90 degree? So half of 90 is what? 45 degree. That tooth is rotated 45 degrees. Can you see that now? You can do that in your head, couldn't you? It's simple. Now, do you want accurate? No, we just want to know, can we rotate this tooth? Is this a patient that's an Invisalign candidate? Come Monday. Right? So now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and the patient comes back every six months, every year, every two years, and in ten years' time, the patient's back, and you say, remember that rotation we talked about? It's even more rotated. Your teeth are even more crowded. Well, how can you tell? Can you see a difference between this slide and this slide? Does the canine look a little bit tiny, bit more rotated? Well, how can you tell? Simple. Go back to the same idea. We're going to draw the 90 degree and draw on that 90 with a half axis if that's 45 how much rotation would you have to make on that canine to bring it back maybe about 30 degrees or so you're just visualizing so the patients understand that there's something important happening in this canine something's happening important on my teeth being rotated And you want to simplify it for your patients so not only you, but your patient understand. Now, the doctor's going to treat this case by proclining the teeth forward, IPRing, bringing it back, rotating it back. So what happened here is we didn't quite rotate the entire canine over 35 degrees. We brought the lower teeth forward. And as I brought the lower teeth forward, the rotation on the canine comes through. It's done in your ClinCheck every day. I did no thinking in this case other than, hey, here's what you look like two years ago. Here's what you look like today. It looks a tiny bit different, doesn't it? Patients are like, like, oh, I guess so. Well, let me show you. This tooth is rotated more than it was last time. It's going to keep getting worse. And you pull out your straight talk pamphlet. I just want to educate my patients so that way you have a tool so you can visualize how to talk to them and how to educate them. Didn't quite rotate the full amount. We didn't need to. We were able to line all the other teeth and the byproduct of straight teeth is having a perfect smile, right, and having a good occlusion. So, it takes a team effort. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to kind of break this down a little more for you. From the hygienist, the dental assistant, if there's, is there any dental assistants in the room? Perfect. Even you have a role including a doctor. Implement, 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 and you now have to get results. Because if you say we did it once and didn't quite work, not enough. It has to happen every day. So here's what I'd like to talk about. How many dentists has this guy gone through? How many watches do you have in your treatment cases right now? I know, I'm not going to lie, I have a few watches. Because am I going to do a root canal, am I going to do a crown, we have to wait for the pre op the patient doesn't have money. Ah, Let's watch it. Good, next patient. That's what happened to this guy. Watch, 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 watch. And then he starts bad-mouthing the dentist that his gums are receded, and the bondings keep popping up. And then they gave him this night guard, this plastic thing he hates wearing. Right? Don't become a watch a dentist. Apply a rule. And the rule that I'd like to abide by is typically trying to talk about the midlines, the overjet, overbite, the crowding and spacing. We know that 30-degree rotation or less is easy to rotate. I know that if I get a case that's a lower crowding or spacing, when you check with your perioprobe horizontally, if it's six millimeters or less, it's a no-brainer. I can close those without seeing if I can pan the tray of the patient and have them come back in nine months and the teeth will get straight. That's how confident I am with Invisalign. You've got to believe 700 and some odd cases that have been under my belt, and I can tell you, I will stand up here and tell you, it works. But I play in a parameter. Crowding and spacing of six millimeters or less overjet or deep bite teeth that are flaring forward out are four millimeters or less. How do you check that? Put the periodontal probe horizontally and land it on the buckle of the lower and hand the hor- per- periodontal horizontally and see how much overjet they have. If it's four millimeters, you know where a three is, that's the black, one line above the black, that's going to be a simple case. Outside of that, you may need to do more. Now, most importantly, in doing this, I've got to explain to the patient. So when he comes in, when Fred comes in, that Dr. John talked about sooner and earlier about, in talking about the recessions, the ab fractions, the crowding, is this patient, does he fit in our 30 degree rotation? Does he fit in the 246 rule? Is it a case I can do Monday? How many say yes? How many say I don't know? How many don't know? And then how many say no? So let me explain. When you take this amount of crowding, you can see that there's maybe a two, maybe a one, maybe a two. Just count the overlap. And the biggest one is right here because on the lower lateral, typically what are they, six or seven millimeters on average, mesial distal on the lateral, the central and are eight to nine millimeters. So if you were to say that six or seven, half that distance is going to be at three millimeters. So the biggest problem is that rotation of that canine and the overlapping. Can that be fixed? Absolutely, it still fits less than 6 mils of crowding. This patient still fits. And by the way, you, can, you want the articles and the support that go with it? Let's read this line. Conclusion, these results suggest the treatment of fixed buccal orthodontic appliances is associated with decreased periodontal status and increased level of problems of bacteria, compared to treatment with removable aligners over 12 months study. So if you're doing removable aligner treatment, you have less plaque and less problems than you do doing wire and brackets. I put that in your handouts. You can read it and check it. I didn't write it. That's an option that for my patients. You want to do wires, brackets, I don't do that. I have an orthodontist that I refer to. Or if you want to do a So now it becomes a financial question. The ClinCheck is going to show you that it's going to work. The doctor's job is to look through these, and I give you some options about checks as well so you can have some additional resources and help. But looking at this patient, going into, this is a 10-month treatment, all we have to worry about now is making sure the patient wears the aligner and clean up some of these plaque areas, and then we start to lingualize. patient gets better and better. Looking at his before and after, to me, these gums look better than that loss of attachment you see, the blanching that you see. Here he is in his treatment. Final treatment. I talked about a a ClinCheck option and some of the doctors worry about ClinChecks and looking at it. I've been fortunate enough to have a group help me with some of the ClinChecks called Clear TPS and they're very good in helping me achieve the proper ClinCheck. So I'm not quite unsure, I'm not, I'm not quite... And it's a third-party solution in trying to have another option for you to kind of look through these doctors as, as the ClinCheck, the proper method. And there's also a case analysis. And it's been great in using this module for some of these patients. It's been great that I've been able to now kind of help my practice go to the next level. So when a patient comes in as an orthopedic surgeon as one, and he tells me that I'm considering pulling out my lateral incisor because everyone tells me that I've gone to, it's not, Invisalign is not going to work. I was his fifth dentist, and it seems like I'm always number five when they come to my practice. Invisalign will not work. That's what they say every time. And I, my, my question to him was, well, yeah, because your crowding is a little bit greater than six millimeters. Your crossbite is a little bit greater than two millimeters. And your tooth is all the way back here. Even if I had to bring you out two mils, you're going to be here. However, let me put it through ClinCheck and see. Which is the wrong thing to do, right? I mean, he was financially committed. He was mentally committed. But I have to know what I'm trying to do with this patient. He goes outside the parameters of your normal case still doable. I have to maybe IPR some more. I may have to IPR the posteriors. But guess what? His biggest problem, he kept breaking a filling in the back. He has a crossbite. And that filling on number 15 keeps breaking, and guess what? Keeps rubbing on his cheek, and he hates it. So this is the other problem he had. Other than the checking the cotton roll, he looks like he's okay. I'm going to upright some teeth, so he looks like he's going to be alright with the transpalatal spacing. We've got a little bit of issue with the crowding. That's fine. I just have to procline out a bit more and IPR him. So maybe I'm going to finish him with a little bit of an overjet because now it's going to be less IPR. So again, understand your treatment. The rotations, okay, well, that's going to meet up with the rotation we have. We don't have to completely rotate the tooth on its axis. We can go halfway and bring the lowers to meet, right? So we don't have to fully rotate. So that can solve that problem what was the next problem? Oh yeah, we had the issue of the cheek biting and the crossbite here. And this lateral incisor, you know what? Hail Mary, I'm going to push it as much as I can. If not, I'll veneer it. That's the worst case scenario, right? Better than him pulling out the lateral incisor. So, for me, he hated biting his cheek because of that broken... And guess what? What happens with trauma all the time? That's what brings patients in. So his secondary... Chief concern was the lateral. His primary was that cheek biting. So, okay, I put it through ClinCheck. ClinCheck came back as an extraction. Didn't like that. I went to the clear TPS option and got some suggestions, and the ClinCheck came back a little bit more solid. And, you know, I like these um, utilizing third parties. I like that not only is it going to help me increase profitability, but chair time. It gives me confidence. I don't have. Uh, multiple doctors at my uh, uh, beck and call and call them, hey, what do you think of this ClinCheck? What do you think of this ClinCheck? So I can get advice, and that's what I did. I got advice in trying to get the proper staging, and it's simple. I just used my same username and password for my Invisalign, and once I was done with the ClinCheck software that they sent back, they actually put, I know some of you guys were, it's in your handout, sorry. Um, Once I was done, I was able to, get a proper check with the attachment placements as well as, I'm sorry, we're just fast-forwarding here, with the attachments that were placed on in this fashion, doing the proclination, 0.5 IPR, little bit of proclination out, minimal IPR, and most of it is posterior IPR and setting him better. Much better outcome in the check than pulling out that lateral. Right? So I move forward to the treatment. In the middle of treatment, he decides to get married, by the way, and says, hey, um, yeah, this is great. He says, I, I need, I'm taking photos. I need to have my teeth done. So this is what I love about dentistry, as a side note. You get to actually take that last aligner, put a little bit of composite in there, and pop it in there. And I made him a little sleeve, a little jacket that he just shoved right in his teeth. So that way, for his big day, even though his tooth's back here, it looked like he was all done, right? So for his big day, he was able to have no, you know, missing lateral, but we put him back on the aligner, pop that little jacket off, and off he goes to the treatment. You can see the extrusion that drops down the two millimeters. Everything is coming along great as we're progressing. The posterior, I, I put a crown on that, that's a temporary crown that I put there for him, just to make sure his bite's landing a little better. And then the ClinCheck software, once that's done, we'll go and put a permanent crown on number 15, setting the occlusion just right putting the teeth where they belong and no longer does you have to live with that little space. The lateral was able to come because, what did you saw in the research? The bone will follow, right, as you go slow movements. So a patient who had this periodontal issue that he still kept his teeth and the bone, look at the bone, it's just completely bioformed, biomolded. I like to coin that word, I know some of the doctors use it a lot and others do as well, but here he is, a patient that was considering pulling out the lateral and just being done with it, doing an implant, and do something on my back so I don't bite my cheek. It's a great case to kind of give you an idea that there is abilities with perio patients, and if you don't do something, what's going to happen at the end? What is going to happen to this patient 20 years from now? He'll be like the watch of dentistry that I showed you earlier. So what I want to do is kind of give you a little bit of a catalyst of what we do, education. So let me just show you what happens in in the chair side, okay? In the chair side, what we've got to do is make sure that there is that video preloaded. That's that video that you have called the straight talk video. You also need to have these brochures. So I'm going to give you little pamphlets and handouts. But this is what, what happens in my dental assistant when she comes in. She's going to right away start the video. Not when you're taking x-rays, because the patient's sitting there wondering, you're putting a lead apron on me, you're doing all this, am I getting radiated? No. Play the video and while you're doing the x-ray, when you're hiding behind that wall going they're actually watching a video about straight top. They're watching a video about Invisalign and about their teeth, and they're wondering about their teeth rather than whether or not they're getting radiated, right? So my goal is to make sure the assistant plays the video right during the x-ray. Now, some of you guys who have the Dentrix program, you can get a laptop maybe or, or a little iPad so they can watch the video on that. Or they can just do the QR code and watch it on their phone if you have Wi-Fi in the office. Because I don't want them to worry whether or not they're getting radiated about their x-ray. My hygienist will also follow in giving them a little sheet that has a question of what they saw. If they want a discount on treatment, they've got to get all the... Eight questions that we ask them right and we'll give them a discount. They got to work for it. So that happens, that just kind of gives us an idea of whether or not they're actually all in or not. So we give them a little paper for them to kind of take a quiz what they've seen and that gives them a discount on treatment if they want to. Also, my hygienist is going to educate them on the 246 rule. She's going to educate them about what's going to happen to him right now.
2: I'm going to measure your gums and see how you're overlapping and spacing. Okay? Back.
0: back. Okay. This kind of gives you an idea. All of this gets recorded on a prescription, malocclusion prescription form, which aligns supplies for you. You go in the store section of your doctor's site and you can order these, it's no charge. What happens is they just write down greater or less than, the crowding, spacing, and it's an option for you to have some treatment done, what day is best for you to come in, Monday or Wednesday. I'm not going to talk about pricing, about Invisalign, we don't even mention the word Invisalign, that first visit. We're just trying to educate the patient about their crowding, about their spacing, about their gums. The second visit, that's what's going to tell me, the patient says, yes, I want to come, Great. Patient keeps the pink copy, we keep the yellow copy in the front, and the white copy goes in the chart. Why? Because we're going to call that patient back five months later, six months later, or three weeks later, and say, hey, by the way, you had a consult, do you still want to continue with that? Or the patient that took two years to come in, we pull that paper and say, remember we talked about this two years ago? Now it's getting worse. We filled out a prescription now. This goes to the front office, and now the doctor walks in, I say hello, check my Uh, little problems that I see with the uh, fillings and then just simply talk to him about the patient about we'll see each other next time about the malocclusion malo-what you know the teeth that are not landing just right and I think they're gonna schedule a secondary appointment for us to talk about that and some systems we have in the practice to help you with that today I want to go ahead and get your hygiene done my hygienist is gonna get your cleanings done we're gonna make sure all your treatments are uh, planned properly so the next time we'll sit down and talk about that and I make a separate day where I do my, I call it, instead of Gangnam style, Invisalign style. Pricing, they're worried about pricing, where they're crowding and spacing now is going to warrant the pricing. So if there's six millimeters or more it's a certain price, if it's six millimeters or less it's a different price. So now I have a patient calibrated that two systems. If it's going to be an advanced case or a simple case, simple case to me is six millimeters or less. And that's their pricing for it. It's very similar, and an ortho always the retainers are extra. I don't package that in. It's a separate billable. Again, I want to just give you quick little ideas to take back. And you develop this in your own practice and make it bigger and better as you wish. So you can't say we've tried it before. I'm going to give you a little spy cam, and if we can just turn that volume up and show you what happens in my practice while I'm not there in the systems. And then we're going to give you time, and you yourselves are going to do this as well. And that's how you
2: should do it. All right.
1: I thought,
0: I thought that would be kind of humorous because, uh, you know, my team is always doing funny things and they actually did that on their own and I said I got to show that because we're trying to film about how the system goes and they decided to give me that one so I thought I should share it. So what we're going to do is we've got some packets we're going to pass out and we're going to do a quick little workshop and what I've put in the packets is that we are gonna we have some perio probes, some tongue depressors, the prescription pad, as well as a straight talk brochure. We're actually going to pass this out, and you're going to check on your neighbor next door of how much crowding and spacing they have. Yes, you are. That's what you're going to do. You're going to check, and you're going to make the prescription, fill it out, and at that point, you give it to your front office. So everyone's going to get a pack, and we're going to have fun with this. All right? So what I'd like to do is how many... raise your hands... How many of you guys had six millimeters crowding or more? How many of you had six millimeters crowding or less? Raise your hand. Look at the room. These are your Invisalign patients. In this room itself, you've got about 19 Invisalign patients. But six millimeters or more, how many? So that's your patient pool. So the prescription itself that you see here, it's very self-explanatory. Not only is it, first of all, free, you just go to the line store and order it, but two, you just put the patient's name, and you simply have the amount where it says moderate, severe. So what I do is if it's six millimeters or less, they're all going to be what? Non-severe, moderate, right? So you just check that off, so the patient's reading it. Remember, they're going home with a yellow copy. And on the notes section, I'm putting down whether or not they have how much crowding or spacing they have. So on the notes section, I'm actually putting down less than 6 millimeters or greater. So we're simply putting in, and then the doctor to evaluate treatment options, right? And when are they coming back? What My Mondays and Wednesdays are dedicated to specifically Invisalign. I like to do that in my practice. I don't want to drill and fill and then have somebody come into my practice and say, oh, by the way, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a shot to room five, but I'll be back to talk to you about a misalign. Hold on just a minute. It's just I don't like to have my restored and misalign mixed together. I know a lot of you have that concept of you know, shoving all the patients in. I like to sit down with the patient. That's a $5,000 treatment that I've got to sell right now. So I've got to talk to that patient coherently, not throw it in the mix as, oh, by the way, you need your teeth straightened. It's a separate visit, just like you would do your veneers or crowns or any other treatment plan. So that's why I bring them on a specific day. So I'd like to finish some final thoughts for you. And one, when you go back Monday, a couple of things you need to do. Educate the staff, the 246 rule. Make sure doctors and you are all on board. You have to implement. Number two, schedule for treatment options. And do it on the second visit that first visit, they are their new patient, they're inundated with too much information. You're showing them the x-ray, you're showing them the great radiolucency, you're talking about how great your office is, and then $5,000 for a midline. They're like, what? I'm not going to do that. Let them build some trust. That's why the video helps. That's why not putting the x-ray at the same time, hiding behind the wall and going, gzz, 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 those are disruptive to the patient. Yes. You can do intrusions on any teeth up to two millimeters and I will put my hands down that it will happen. You just need a couple of attachments, but yes, top, bottom, side, corner, wherever you like, you can push teeth in up to two millimeters predictably. But I, so people with bridges, I do not. I just do. A, if I'm trying to procline or I'm trying to upright, I ask the aligners to be two millimeters shorter of the gum line, so it doesn't, you know, hook into the bridge pontic. It's a little bit shorter liner, and I let the tech know. This tooth to this tooth is a bridge. All teeth need to be uprighted or maybe overjetted at the same time. I have an anterior bridge on a patient, canine to canine, that I need to lingualize because they made it flared forward. So I know that I can come back 4 millimeters, but I told my technician tooth number 6 to number 11 are all one bridge, and it can lingualize it. Short the aligner 2.5 millimeters. That clearTPS.com will help you with these types of ClinCheck scenarios in these answering doctor's questions as well. Along with your aligned territory management study clubs. When you go back Monday, you've got to take photos on these patients. Okay? I don't care. Into oral camera, whatever it is. Your second visit's when you're going to get all fancy photos. Because the hygienist doesn't have time to take photos, do this, do that first visit. But you do have time to take an into oral camera and snip, snip, snip. Do that at least. Then, You've got to get that straight talk brochure. It's free to you. Have them grab the QR code while they're taking the x-ray. Look at it on their phone. Do it during the time of the x-ray. You cannot mix all of it together. Scares the patient. Number three, download the straight talk video. Have it ready to go because there's downtime where the patient's waiting for the doctor or the hygienist. They're running back. I don't like playing that in the waiting room. It looks salesy. I want it private. I want the patient to be one-on-one with that laptop or computer. I want them to see that privately, not in my waiting room. Number four, make sure you have a goal. You have to have incentives. I give incentives all the time. My team is actually here right now. They're here. It was a great thing to bring them to the summit, and congratulations for the doctors who brought you hygienists. It was actually very expensive. I even paid for it too, but it's worth it. You see the camaraderie that goes on in the office when everybody's on board. You have to be one in order for the patients to be one with you. I want to see my patient in Home Depot talking about wearing their liners rather than, oh my God, you gave me that shot and it hurt me like a mother. (laughs) So I have to hide in the lumber section. Instead, I come out. Look, I'm wearing it. Look, I'm wearing it. That's what I love. And you can sign up for the Clear TPS. I put uh, uh, some information if you want. I can help you. And if there's any questions, Dr. John and I would love to take some of these questions and answers for your gums and treatments that we like to always be here for.